0: Thanks for listening to The Rest is Politics. Sign up to The Rest is Politics Plus to enjoy ad-free listening, receive a weekly newsletter, join our members' chat room, and gain early access to live show tickets. Just go to therestispolitics.com. That's therestispolitics.com.
1: Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Had to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20 to get 20, 20 bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. so Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch.
2: $45 front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Hello and welcome to Leading with me, Alistair Campbell. And me, Rory Stewart, looking forward to this week's
1: episode with Marina Litvinenko, who's the widow of the murdered Alexander Litvinenko. Now, I'm sure that you all remember the front page of The Guardian, late 2006, the man murdered by the Russian government, key witness in his own murder.
0: And so can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing in 2006 this time? Do you remember that moment? I do remember it. Tony was still prime minister. I'd left, but was kind of, you know, in and out. We had a very different relationship back then to the one that we have now with Russia. And Marina pushes me on that in the in the interview. She reminds me of um, the times when we were, you know, a lot closer, shall we say, to the Putin regime. I really, really enjoyed talking to Marina Litvinenko. I think to go through what she's gone through. It's horrifying.
1: And just to remind people who are coming into it, her husband was, was poisoned with polonium. I mean, it's incredibly sort of super sinister, dramatic method of killing an ex-KGB officer done by revenge by the by the Russian Security Service was sort of prelude to Salisbury where they tried to use radioactive substances again. And and then you've had the chance to sit down and, and talk to her. And, and I'm
0: really looking forward to hearing this conversation. Yeah. So, well, here it is. It's the conversation that I had while Rory was away on his travel somewhere. And I hope you do enjoy it, Rory. And more importantly, I hope that our listeners enjoy it. So, welcome to a very special guest, Marina Litvinenko, widow of Alexander Litvinenko, killed by the Putin regime. So, th- my first question, actually, Marina, if I say the name Andrei Lugovoy, just tell our listeners who that is, and then I'll tell our listeners what he's done recently.
3: Andrei Lugovoy, from me, is a murder of my husband. And because of that, he was granted to be a member of Russian parliament. And I believe when Putin's regime will collapse, he would be taking for justice to London.
0: So you still think that can happen?
3: Because I'm a very optimistic person of what helped me almost for 10 years to get kind of justice here in London. I believe one day I will have a proper justice.
0: Mm. The reason I mentioned Lugovoy as well, he's, as you say, he's now a member of the Duma. And he did a TV interview recently, which I watched the other day, which was, I don't know if you saw it, but it was chilling even for me. So what it was like for you, I don't know. And he said to Zelensky, president of Ukraine, you will be killed. You'll be the first to the gallows. If anyone damages the Russian state, they will be exterminated. He then said that Zelensky should read a book by Pavel Sudoplatov, Mm -hmm. who was an agent who killed Trotsky. In Mexico. So I guess my question is, Alexander must have known that that is the sort of person he was dealing with when he started to call out the Putin regime. So wasn't he scared the whole time that he was going to be killed? And weren't you scared on his behalf?
3: It's a very interesting question because Lugov wasn't like that in 2006 or even before. He developed this quality as a monster and cold blood killer. Just now, or after he was uh, pronounced as a murder of uh, Alexander Litvinenko. And uh, then in 2006, he was a former employee of Boris Berezovsky. Mm -hmm. He was a head of security for TV channel and former KGB worker, but even not as an agent.
0: Did Alexander work with him? Because Alexander, of course, was a Russian agent as well.
3: But they never worked together. Okay, They've been a different department, I would say. Uh, my husband did real work on the ground, but Lugavoy was as a security guy. He looked after very prominent figure as uh, then Prime Minister Gaidar or some others. And when he retired, he received this job with Boris Berezovsky as a head of security mm. of this TV channel. I believe because of his close relationship to uh, Boris Berezovsky, he'd been uh, used to approach Sasha Litvinenko. And it looked like they both might be interested to do business together. Sasha then in 2005, 2006. Sasha's Alexander. We would call him Sasha. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Alexander, my husband, Sasha, he tried to uh, build his own business here in London and he needed some sources in Russia because his job was mostly about um, private investigation for future business. If somebody from Russia would like to do business in UK or in Europe, you need to know who you're doing business with.
0: So he met him, was it three times before he killed him?
3: Yes, first met, it was a birthday party of Boris Berezovsky. Everybody were there. And Lugov, we were sitting uh, in the same table. And of course, it was normal conversation for what are you doing? It looked like a former colleagues, but again, there never been colleagues. And after they discussed to meet again in London and again, and this was process to start maybe a business together.
0: So Alexander wasn't suspicious that this guy was trying to kill him.
3: Of course, not killing, but um, I can't say he could trust him for one hundred percent. But I think he wanted recruited him and to came uh, to business together and to feel he maybe more on this side. And this was for Sasha, like an uh, interesting game, how he can be able to convert a Lugavoy.
0: Is that the intelligent agent in him? It looked like, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so then when, when he was at the Millennium Hotel and he was poisoned, just talk us through that process of what happened from that moment to then his death. And just from your perspective, what you were seeing and what you were feeling and through that time?
3: I've met Lugavo just once during this uh, Boris Berezovsky birthday party. And then I only heard from Sasha, he's coming to London, he's going to meet him. And I remember Lugavo was looking for property to buy in London. And he wanted to set up business in London and in Russia. Another uh, part of his business was a wine. He traveled to Argentina and he supplied uh, Russia with this Argentinian. While Argentina. being a Russian agent? Yes. Okay. Yes. And even more, Lugovoy had a history of being in prison just in uh, 2000. Agently, he uh, helped a uh, former business partner of Boris Berezovsky, Nikolai Glushkov. Mm-hmm. I would like to say Nikolai Glushkov was killed He was killed in 2018, just a few days after Skripal in Salisbury were attempted to poison. Mm -hmm. It was almost the same time. How Andrei Lugovoy, after released from prison, received a grant, $30 million to set up his security company?
0: So hold on. You've got this guy who you know is involved with the Putin regime. Alexander's here in London. And he's the guy who's called out Putin as running a mafia state. He's accused him of being a murderer, a paedophile. He's said all sorts of things about, about Putin. And yet he's still tempted to go into business with this guy who must have aroused suspicions in him.
3: From my point of view, Sasha, as a very experienced officer, but Of course, not like intelligent uh, service officer. He was mostly working like inside, internal. Yeah. And he saw Lugovoy as a person who is not 100% of Putin agent. And Lugovoy looked as a person who loves money. And making this negotiation might possibly take him to his side.
0: Mm. And at this point, how closely was Alexander... Working with the British intelligence agencies, because of course, when your worldview is, as I described it, as Lugovoy said recently on television, if you damage try to damage the Russian state, you will be exterminated. If that's the worldview of Putin and the people operating for him, Alexander must have known he was at massive risk.
3: Of course, I knew he was in risk from the very beginning when we escaped from Russia. He wasn't not paranoid about security, but he always tried to monitoring situation and um, started his consulting job with the intelligence service here in UK and then to Spanish intelligence service. I think it was like uh, natural because Sasha knew all about this criminality, all these people connecting to Russian government. Because his his speciality was organized crime, wasn't it? Absolutely. He knew all this from inside Mm. and his knowledge was so important and here in Spain and what he believed to all part of Europe. And his consulting job was accepted and he started to do this. It was almost an
0: accident that you ended up in Britain, wasn't it? Because he was, he tried to get asylum with the Americans in Istanbul. Yes. And they turned him down. And then you, you booked a flight to back to Moscow via Heathrow. Yes. And then you applied for asylum at Heathrow. So why did the Americans say no and the Brits said yes?
3: I'll tell you even more, if you like it, Ooh. or maybe you don't like it. But when Sasha was waiting for his uh, travel document in Georgia, uh, he get out from Russia to Georgia. It was easier yeah. because he couldn't get out from Russia anyway. I was in the same time in Spain, and we still discussed what we're going to do because, of course, I were not planning to get out from Russia at all. But I was already with our son, with Anatoly, six years old. Sasha was waiting for his travel document. And people here in London, like Vladimir Bukovsky, Oleg Gordievsky, mm-hmm. try to help Sasha from here to apply, maybe to get Sasha and his family directly to London. But who was the prime minister then?
0: Oh, Tony totally Blair. Exactly. And said no. And said no. Okay.
3: We don't need this mess, with Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And this was 2000. Everything is, looks very good, very promising. Better
0: than it does now. For Tony sure. Blair
3: was the first politician in the world who introduced Vladimir Putin to this international club. Mm. He came to London, or not to Saint Petersburg? he was president. To Saint Petersburg, I think you've been there too. I was. Yes. Yeah. And how we can say? How whole world was foolish about Putin? Mm. Yes, it was very difficult to believe one mm. day he became who he is now. And Sasha was saying no, and why we couldn't go legally directly to UK. And then was the help from Alexander Goldfarb, he's mm-hmm. his uh, advisor for Boris Berizovsky, who tried to get us out from uh, Russia to bring us to America. Mm. And our meeting in Ar- Ankara with authorities in the American embassy wasn't successful. It's only proof Sasha never been spy. Mm-hmm. Only secret he could say to American uh, American weapon missile was used against former Chechen president Jahar Dudaev, mm-hmm. and somebody sold it to Russian to kill Jahar Dudaev, and he knew who did it. And he gives this information to American, but they said it's okay.
0: So, th- so they wouldn't take him. So why, when you got to Heathrow, why did you man- how did you manage to get asylum here?
3: After that, uh, we've been all uh, nervous, what to do next? And Alex Goldfarb, our friend, he said, if you're going to direct it to America, you would be arrested and you're going to immigration prison. I said, no way. I don't want to separate with my son. And he said, okay, we have a lawyer. We can ask this lawyer to meet us in Heathrow and we will do step by step to apply for this. It looked like accident.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you got it.
3: Yes, i, I really grateful. Mm. And I remember when Sasha saying, we need to be thanks to our queen. Now we are in a kingdom. Now we're in an <laughs> island and we feel safe. No, Of course, it was a joke, but he always wanted to cheer up mm. me to say, Marina, you should not worry. Of course, we cut our life completely. Mm-hmm. We left behind our families, our parents. But we do this for our son, mm. who will grow up in a freedom-independent country.
0: So you stayed here. Where's your kind of sense of identity now? What do you feel in yourself you are?
3: I, 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 I'm, I'm a Russian, and I would like all Russians, even living abroad, to feel Russian, mm. but to accept any place where they do live. I really like accepting everything that I have here in the UK. I, I might criticize, but it's normal. Mm. You might be don't like it, but I was a privilege when you are in the middle of your 30s and when you think you know everything to become a child again. Mm. I need to learn language. I've never spoke English. I builded my new friendship with people. And I think it's given me some kind of boost <laughs> to become even younger again. And uh, when I saw... My husband Alexander writing and again meeting different people. I saw how it's good for him.
0: Mm.
3: As, a, as a, any woman who has a family, I was just very happy to keep this family alive.
0: And when, when he was in hospital, what, what point did you realize that he was going to die?
3: I have no point. Only one moment. Uh, when Sasha became more, uh, like, uh, rapidly worse, I had just one second, if Sasha will die. And after that, I was crying. I saw Sasha is fighting for his life. He tried to make everything what he could uh, to say to police because police investigation already started. And I, I was so angry with myself. How you can think he will die? He's fighting. You should not even believe he might die. His first stroke happened the night before he died. And I saw he already was a support machine, but I saw he's alive. I saw he's alive and he's still fighting. But when it finally happened next night, it was only when I accepted he died.
0: Hmm. During that period, did, did you feel, you know, he was, you saw he was ill, he went to hospital, they weren't quite sure what was going on. I think he went home for a while, then went back. And he ended up in intensive care. And that image that I think when you mentioned Litvinenko, people probably do think of that image of him lying in bed, the green top, the, the monitors on his chest, completely bald. Did you feel that you were getting all the support that you that you needed? And then subsequent to that, after he died, what was it like trying to get the sort of justice that you've been trying to get? And And, and were the British law enforcement agencies good at what they were doing.
3: Doing this photo was a not easy decision. I didn't like it because I still believe Sasha will survive. And seeing this image, it would be just like, go back to what happened to us. But for Sasha, it was not even to find support. For him, it was just to show what this person, Putin, is capable. Not blaming, but making people feel angry for what Putin might do or aware what Putin might do to people. And for me, from um, very beginning, I became outspoken. It was as well, not just to find support. I, I, I knew if I'm saying openly what I believe mm. or what happened to us, people will start to support us without even asking for this. And what I felt every time, I can't say without effort. Of course, it was effort from my side. But people supported us just, uh, I I couldn't believe. For example, lawyers worked without payment. Mm. I didn't have money. And you know how the system works. It's the most expensive institute. Mm. But when I say to Ben Emerson, I have no money to pay you. And he says, fine. He said, I will be the last person who will leave you. Mm. And this was all said. Mm they received after that legal aid, but it was nothing compared to their salary.
0: And what about the, so you mentioned when Putin first came on the scene and we were in government and thinking that maybe he was going to be more Western orientated than his predecessors. And clearly we got that wrong. But then as you went through this process of trying to get inquests and trying to get proper inquiries, was that difficult? Were, Were you finding you were pushing at an open door or was the message that, you know, we'd rather not have to deal with this.
3: Many things look different now when you watched what happened uh, four, five, seven, ten years ago. Then when I received question from Boris Berezovsky, would you like to know who killed your husband? I said, yes. And when I received first time, would you like to go for inquest already in 2007? I said, okay, let's go. But it was so prematurely. I tried to, monitoring all advices and what might people from police who investigated this case or my legal team, I, I just tried to follow their advice. And um, first time I realized something is f- wrong in 2013. 2013, yes, it was the worst year. Because? Because uh, first, William Hague uh, make a lot of files uh, secret Since after Sir Robert Owen makes this announcement, we have um, evidence Russia stayed behind of this crime, and it was uh, like a first uh, victory, not just us, it was uh, all officially Mm. Russia stayed behind of this crime. Secondary, we didn't get public inquiry, because in this case, we might use these files behind the door, and we couldn't get it even more, the resume, than... uh, Home uh, Secretary. Office, uh, Secretary. Yes, she just even said, you're not allowed to have it. I didn't know what to do. I have no plan. I yeah. couldn't secure my cost. How frustrating was that? Absolutely. It was just like, why you want to stop me? I'm not doing this against British government. i do not doing this against British state. I think it was, of course I cried before, but this was, I cried. Constantly.
0: Because of the frustration? Yes. I mean, did it, it sounds a little bit sort of, I don't want to overstate it, but it sounds a little bit Kafka-esque that you are clear what has to happen, but you can't make it happen.
3: Absolutely. And in another one, it was like a balance. I have a lot of people supporting me. I have a legal team who said, you do right things. I have a friend of mine who said, you do right things. And suddenly, from another side, people try to prevent. Mm. First of all, it became public, then to bring press, then to make this a public inquiry again.
0: But the public inquiry was key, wasn't it? Yes. So that was the turning point.
3: Yes. And this was, for me, why it was important. It's still a lot of speculation. We don't know exactly for what did happen. We don't know whether Russia stayed behind. I want to bring this all evidence, just one by one, to public to understand it's true and stop talking. Sasha committed suicide. He's smuggling radioactive material to... uh, to UK, and he poisoned it himself. You know, it was shocking, but mm. this was the first time show how Russia tried to influence British public opinion. But it was Sashi himself saying in 2003, be careful with Russian money. You don't know what this money will bring to your society.
0: 2003. So when you see, I know you listen to the podcast, and you probably know that neither Rory or I are very fond of Boris Johnson, but when you see the stories of him being paid or the Conservative Party being paid lots of money for playing tennis and having dinner with the oligarchs. How does that make you feel?
3: Uh, it was not only my feeling, I reacted. I gave it interview for what happened in 2014 because it did happen straight after 2014. And now we know what happened. It was a Crimea annexation. It was invasion to east part of Ukraine. And I said, you are not allowed to accept this money. You have to give it back even you think it's good to your party, but it doesn't work. And the same happened in 2013. Before we received decision from Theresa May, it was fundraising party for conservative, And there was a lot of Russian names who've been here as a guest and Russian name as a donors to conservative mm. party.
0: So do you think as a state that the British state has been naive about Putin the whole way through?
3: I don't think it's naive. I, uh, you know, sometimes you just try to close the eyes and say, no, 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 it's not happened. It's not happened. It may be too strong to say to pretend. We don't know. I believe intelligence will still be professional and provide this information. But sometimes people make this mistake to believe you are smarter than other one. And they thought, it's all legal. I can't blame conservative party to take illegal money. These all Russian names, Being British citizen, and this was on rules. But sometimes you have to have something more.
0: Well, I've only asked the first, really, just the first of the hundred questions I've written down.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry to be so.
0: (laughs) But we'll take take, no, no, no. It's great. But we'll take we'll take a little break and then come back. Okay.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it? A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices.
0: Right. welcome back to my chat with Marina Litvinenko. Do you see part of your role in life now just to keep Alexander's memory alive for the political purpose of fighting for change in, in Russia? We've had recently the David Tennant playing Alexander in pretty extraordinary portrayal. Um, is that painful to to be involved in that, to see it played again, or do you feel that that's an important part of what you now do?
3: Um, when I receive this question, how is it difficult for you or how is it exhausted, I would say it's not only my life. From very beginning, when we had this reality, I knew I will live my normal life anyway. It would be very important part to fight for Sasha's my husband memory, for justice for him. If it's important to help other people, but I'm still be a mother, I still be a, a woman.
0: But a lot of your life now is about Alexander.
3: I would not say is this um, like all my all my life, um, but what I mean. Every time, if I have a request to give an interview or to go for talk or make some consulting work, I'm very happy to do it. But from another side, I raised my son who is now 28 mm. and a young independent man. I'm meeting my friends and I'm so glad I'm starting my old job to do mm. as a dance teacher. I think it helps me to keep reality. Mm. It looks like I'm living in the past, but it's not true. Okay. I don't live in the past. I live in the present and the future day. But
0: did you, would you ever feel, for example, as
3: I think some people
0: do when they lose a, a partner, that you grieve and then you get over and you try to take your life in a different direction? Or do you feel that you will always, 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 the rest of your life have to be fighting for his memory and fighting for justice?
3: In this case, I, I would say Sasha never going to be ex for me. It's anything that might happen to my life. Sasha would be there. And my promise to him to talk for what happened to us. He was in hospital when he first time asked me, Marina, you should talk. You should give interview. What I was absolutely (laughs) unhappy to do then. Mm. But I promised and I keep my promise to my husband. And on the
0: road to justice, how far down that road do you think you are? You've had the inquiries, you've had the British law enforcement agencies naming the two men who they think killed him.
3: And not only the European Court of Human Rights. Exactly, They repeated exactly the same verdict and it was quite risk because we never know how Europeans will decide. They mm. might make some part but not prove everything what was done here in London.
0: Does justice to you mean Putin falls or does it mean that the two guys who killed Alexander are in prison? What does justice mean for you?
3: One of them already died, and he died from COVID last mm. summer. Is his Yeah, It's a lot of questions. But of course, I would love to see Lugovoy here in London in a court to defense and explain everything. But another one, uh, maybe what I would say justice for me, I would be able to go to Russia. But I would be able to go to Russia only, Russia would be without Putin. And this is one maybe... Uh, moment of justice for me. So how do you see Putin falling? How, how does that happen? I think uh, when it's a lot of discussion about international court of uh, and um, maybe for his military crime, I'm afraid it will not happen because it would be different of sooner justice inside of Russia. And this would be more brutal. Why they don't like to remember what happened to Gaddafi in Libya when angry people, Turned to as I Do
0: you really think that would happen in Russia?
3: For what happened in Ukraine now is all these people, military people, who now actually offended mm. and blamed for doing all wrong. I mean, Russia doesn't have not united military group. They have uh, uh, one group under uh, President of Chechnya Kadyrov, who say they, they say it we fight the best one. Another criminal group under uh, Prigozhin, who say it we fight the best way in a a military group who always blame to do wrong Mm. and who will turn against Putin or Putin's elite inside of Russia. We will see. And I think it might be happen soon with the help of Ukrainian army. Mm.
0: You were in Ukraine when the invasion happened, weren't you? So what, what, what was that? What was that like?
3: Maybe it was a little bit risky idea and uh, and quite innocent. I went to Ukraine not to monitoring Russian army or what might happen. It was a beautiful place in Ukraine, west of Ukraine, mm-hmm. close to Slovakia, and I would say um I didn't take any risk because all things started in the east part yeah of.
0: and do you go to Ukraine because it makes you feel closer to russia
3: in some way, yes, and um I had a lot of nice friends. And place in ukraine and went to and actually it was for winter hiking and i believed it's a good time to go i have a break in february i knew it was a little bit uh unsafe in some way but it was too far from east and if something happened i knew i, I would be safe yeah. but when it all happened 24th of february uh, everybody tried to push me out from country i said no way I have my tickets 28th of February, and I will stay here till this day. I was immediately, uh, just like, hacked of all this atmosphere. People not been frightening. And I saw they never give up. Mm. They will fight to the end. I didn't believe this war started as brutal as it started uh, 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 in the beginning. But I never have idea they will failed. Never.
0: Do you still feel that?
3: And now, particularly
0: even right. more stronger. So, do you do you do you think Putin is perhaps in that position as a dictator who's surrounded by people who are scared of him, tell him the things he wants to hear, and they underestimated what the reaction was going to be?
3: If you take history of Putin's regime, he every time make a war, makes a war. He started with uh, uh, apartment bombing in nineteen ninety nine and. Second war in Chechnya, then he needed this uh, in Georgia in 2008, then he needed this in Ukraine in 2014. He always needed to support himself as a dictator, making people frightening, make this all propaganda media working harder because of the war.
0: Now, Alexander, on his very first meeting with Putin, said to people like you and others that he was close to, this guy is terrible, truly terrible. And as you've already pointed out, other people who were more experienced in statecraft perhaps felt that maybe he was not as terrible as uh, as all that. So what was it that made him say that and feel that?
3: Uh, Sasha knew his history of being a uh, vice mayor of St. Petersburg, and St. Petersburg was named as a criminal capital of Russia.
0: No, we we genuinely thought Putin was different.
3: No, I remember those years,
0: yes. So the very first time he, he met Putin, very first time Alexander met Putin, he was the first person to coin the phrase a mafia state. He told you and others close to him, this guy is really, really, really bad and really dangerous for Russia and really dangerous for the world. And as you said, at the time, the world was trying to see the best in Putin, maybe. So what was it in Putin that he saw that made him feel so viscerally that this guy was such a danger?
3: First of all, I would like to say, Putin was a virtual figure. Nobody really knew about him. Nothing. He looked like a Western. He speaks German. He um, became looking more smarter. But if you saw him back to uh, his St. Petersburg era, he was awful. He was absolutely awful. And criminal. And criminal. He was somebody from St. Petersburg. He came to Moscow and uh, he was selected from Moscow. And this was obvious, not the Putin and not a family of Boris Yeltsin, former president of Russia, who decided to bring Putin to this y- so position. So you say it wasn't
0: Yeltsin decided?
3: It was not Yeltsin. This, I, I believe it was a chance to this kind of democratical society to believe they're doing it. They're doing this themselves. So who wanted Putin? System. Hmm. And when we're talking about if Putin gone, we have to remember, is it still the system? who created Putin, who never been destroyed with Soviet Union collapsing in 1991. We have to remember Communist Party and KGB were the two heads of Soviet Union. And building this country for more than 70 years, and be sure you destroy it immediately, just one movement, it was not possible.
0: So hold on, it's it's interesting that, because there's a strand of opinion within the American government at the moment, that, and maybe this is the strand that is saying maybe we have to start talking to Russia about what happens in Ukraine and whether some sort of deal can be done, because they worry that what follows Putin, because of the, the system, as you call it, could be even worse. I mean, do you understand why the, that thinking goes on?
3: And it became worse uh, since 90s. And this was for Sasha's view. Uh, he started to work for um, Central Quarter. He was moved from army and he started to see this old system from inside. How this service, who became uh, very criminal, because many former KGB officers looked like they resigned, they stopped working for new service because it looked like all been destroyed. But every business in Russia had a security head from KGB, and they started this war with a criminal, not like a proper war just connecting to each other. You don't touch us, you don't touch us. And then
0: these people knew... And that's what Sasha meant by a mafia state. Exactly. Was Berezovsky part of the mafia state?
3: It's, a, it's a very simple. Sasha was not involved to Berezovsky. Sasha, uh, if I just finish this uh, opinion, because it's very important to understand, when we're talking about mafia, imagine Italian mafia, it's something in America, and some infrastructure uh, influence to a government. But anyway, government... Fight against mafia. Mm. We every time have a, some kind of uh, score how much, but in Russia it was mafia state itself. The they government, never the fight government e- is the mafia. Exactly, they never fight against each other. They fight no, they fight against each other. But for who will be in the top, and Sasha tried to explore this whole system, starting working for Spanish authorities because they prove this strong connection between organized crime and people from government Mm -hmm. who decide who is going to be next minister.
0: Did you think there was ever a point where Putin was going to try to be a more Western-orientated, honest leader? Or do you think he was always going to be the mafia state head that you describe now? Do you think he started with good intentions or not?
3: No, we have to remember, uh, in 2000, 2001, uh, privatization was completely Uh, finished. We have uh, oligarchs, rich people uh, controlling business, and everything became more or less civilized. But for system who represent Putin, it was not right. And they wanted to make a change. They wanted to bring this all under control. And of course, they need to make this all change step by step. And West has to see this all normal.
0: So how does it, your your idea that somehow because of Ukraine and what's happening, the effect of the war, that people rise up. There's not that much sign of it, is there? Is that fear? Is that brainwashing? What's behind that?
3: Before, when we had only TV, radio, and people lived in Soviet Union, they knew this all Communist Party foolish, this old people staying one by one, then dying one by one. People, it it was, of course, it was difficult to live with all total control, but it was not so much brainwashed. And now, when people had a chance to travel abroad, to, to watch West programs, and now to believe it's all right with war in Ukraine, this is a very serious point, how they've been brainwashed. Mm. But majority Russian populations are still very, um, I would say, uh, immature. If you switch off different programs and started to talk in a different way, you will not say they became politically more activated. But they're never going to support Putin on the street. I'll give you this example about Second World War. When France was invaded, how many people supported Nazis? 10% of population. And the same 10% came for this fighting. Mm. And majority being just like, okay, we stay.
0: Do you think it's at all possible that he'll still be Putin as we know him when he dies, naturally? Do you think he could actually be there for a long time?
3: Dying naturally for him, it would be the best scenario. But for what is happening now uh, between Ukraine and Russia and the success from Ukrainian army, and now everybody talking about Crimea, if it be taking back for Putin, it would be all damaged. Mm. He always tried to show himself as a person who bring a land back who uh, rebuilt uh, Russian empire, if it's what happened. And why are you fighting against Ukraine? Because Ukraine draft out from Russia empire. Russia never going to be or saved empire without Ukraine. Mm. And he can't agree with this.
0: So the last time I saw you was when a a part of London was being named after Boris Nemtsov, who I met, by the way, with Tobias, with Tony Blair, in those days you've referred to. And so he was another one murdered by the Putin regime. And this part of London was being named after him. And I was watching you because while it was going on, the ceremony was going on, you had the Hampstead and Highgate something or other society who were blowing vuvuzelas and holding up placards, criticising democracy in Camden. And it just seemed extraordinary that here we were, honouring somebody who was murdered with people like you and others who have experience of this and yet we had these people waving placards complaining about democracy in Camden because they didn't like the fact that this was being named after Boris Nemtsov. How did that make you feel about the debate here?
3: For me, maybe I'm not right. It's, I, I always see Russian behind this because this place was very close to Russian trade companies. That's why it was there. Right, exactly.
0: Trade delegation, yeah. And
3: for me it's Obvious. They try to make these people and pushing people to make this protest, to show how they dislike it, or some people saying uh, good about Russia. I always see these people behind. Because I, I,
0: I found it quite offensive, the whole thing.
3: I was recently uh, in this area because I visited a grave of my husband, what is in the Highgate Cemetery. Yeah. And uh, one man just passed me said, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I saw you recently for this. Uh, opening ceremony and he told me it was the right things to do i know what is happening in ukraine i know what happened to your husband and i said i hope you all this residents supporting this he said yes it's not problem
0: there was, One of the Vuvuzela people said oh here they come for the virtue signaling <laughs> and i thought i said well, what would you rather that we we did some vice signaling
3: very interesting when i had my just old oh, process of justice. And when I had that time to get uh, from court and making some statement, I always had a guy behind me who tried to distract mm. and make some attention. But he was mostly with some nuclear dust. He had uh, some placard. And everybody hated him. When it was a last. Is he British or Russian? British. Mm. And when it was even last my statement after uh, finishing public inquiry, he brought a dog. And this was dog barking all the time. And it was everybody had been so angry because one side is a dog. You can't do nothing with this dog. But this dog was so close to my leg. And my lawyer, she was worried if I moved and this dog might bite me. You know, this situation was very, very dangerous for all of us. And I, I kicked this dog as well because I like dog very much. <laughs> And this was the same. And uh, it, for me, it was just like deja vu when I saw this guy. Just so it's just,
0: making... it's just yeah. intimidation. Yeah. And when you're going around the place in London, do you, do you feel under threat? Do you feel scared?
3: No, I don't. I still surprise when people recognize me. I don't feel myself any celebrity and I don't feel people read a lot about politics, but I'm still stopping sometimes and people say, thank you very much for what mm. you're doing. And for me, I think it's the best.
0: But you've, when you've had your husband wiped out in the way that he was and you're carrying on the same, effectively the same fight in a different way, does
3: that not worry you? i don 't think so, um uh, many people from Russia who is in prison now or who get out they still saying exactly the same and very loud. It depends who is listening to you.. Mm. I hope people trust me because it 's my personal story. I have no any political reason i 'm not representing any business. I only show be human
0: mm. Does it help when somebody like David Tennant plays Alexander? in the series that's just been on television?
3: I I think David Tennant now is the greatest example of humanity. He's a great star. He attracted now a new generation watching this story because young people who might be just born 16 years ago, but because they like David Tennant and uh, they will watch this and they will have this all explanation for what happened in 2006.
0: Mm. And what about your life now? How do you see the rest of your life playing out?
3: I um, was every time um, reflecting to, to our son. It was my another promise to Sasha.
0: Your son, Anatoly, was in the media recently because it emerged that when Putin announced mobilization, mobilization for this special military operation, uh, that he got a knock on the door to be asked to take part. Now, did they know who he was or was that just random? And what, and what was his reaction?
3: I received this news from a friend of mine who lives in this flat when Anatoly uh, Litvinenko, our son, is a residential, still be, because we never give up our Russian citizens. And when he called me, these two guys came from military office to ask for Anatoly Litvinenko to go to serve for this war. I was absolutely uh, shocked. First time they tried to um, make... Uh, c- contact, when Anatoly reached his 17th, like all young man in Russia supposed to be registered in the military office when they became 18 to go to serve. And this was the first time when my then alive mom received this a letter. And I had communication to this office, myself directly said he can't be registered. We live now in London and I still don't believe they have not even understanding who is Alexandra Litvinenko, who is his son, and I think it's like all in Russia. Is it a common name? Not very no. common. Not. I'll tell you even more uh, hilarious story. When Sasha, of course, he never reached his fifties, but when he was fifties, he received a letter, congratulation with your fifties. Did people knew this? I don't believe it was a black humor. You know, don't. They're not, they don't. They just. They just congratulated him as an officer to celebrate his 50s.
0: Are you sure that wasn't black humor?
3: They're too smart them.
0: Well, that is too smart yes. to do that. No,
3: this was some kind of uh, exchange when this was public inquiry and Lugovoy sent some uh, T-shirt with a let's go drink tea with Polonia, something like this. This was all this, this exchange. But this one just showed how in Russia all works. Yeah. It's all cut, all cut. It's not linked between different service, different organizations.
0: And Anatoly doesn't mind being in Russia?
3: Not at all. I, I, I really am um, proud of him. He started to sign everything, Anatoly Litvinenko. We still have British name when we received uh, political asylum. Uh, asylum. But um, A- Anatoly is proud to be Anatoly mm. Litvinenko. Mm.
0: Do you want to end your days in Russia?
3: You know, it's difficult to say. Um, every time when you discussed about nostalgia, uh, I'm from Moscow. I'm like a city, uh, city. I can't say girl. I'm not going
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're a city person.
3: I'm a city person, yes. And when you move to London, what is great city as well, you just don't feel you have something to regret about. But um, most it's about your <laughs> friends people, but I have less and less people I might be um, missing. And it's not Moscow anymore for what I left. Mm. Moscow was always a very tough city to live. I do understand Ukrainian way they fighting for their country because these people understand what does it mean, a land. Mm. They just belonged, And I see how they are nostalgic. All people, Ukrainian who I know here, they missed Ukraine so much. And if I'm not going to Russia soon, but I'm definitely going to Ukraine. And what I said, we all need to be a little bit Ukrainian.
0: Marina, it's been lovely talking to you. I'm so glad we could do this. I wish you all the best in the
3: world. Thank you very much. And uh, for inviting me, I I, I feel very privileged to meet you, to speak to you and to share my feelings.
0: And, And to tell me that we got Putin wrong.
3: Yes. We can't, we can't make means back to the stake, mm. but better not to repeat the same mistakes in the future. Alistair, that was brilliant.
1: Um, how, how, how did she find that? That must've been fascinating and also quite tough because she's challenging
0: you a bit, aren't, isn't she? Or challenging you and the Tony Blair government a little bit. Yeah, she was, but in a very, very, very nice way. She, she, I mean, she, she strikes me as an incredibly nice woman and, you just got to admire the guts and the perseverance to keep going and keep fighting. She is still fighting. I don't know what I'd do if if something as bad as that happened to Fiona, say. I just don't know whether I'd really ever be able to kind of cope with it. I, I guess we never know until those things happen, but she's got, a, she's got a remarkable dignity about herself. She's got real resilience and she's got a very, very, very sharp political mind. And so I think that, you know, I'm sure you'd have agreed with an awful lot that she said about Putin in particular. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing it, and Thank you to Marina.
1: And we'll be back next week with Alan Milburn, who is one of my sort of labor heroes because he was a great reformer in the health service, tried to take us through some very difficult reforms, which I think are relevant to the way the NHS operates today. And hopefully he's going to take us into the core of one of the biggest issues in British politics, which is the future of our healthcare. So see you next Monday. See you then. All the best.